Thank you, Miss Robin. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 9 this morning. Mark chapter 9 as we're making our way through the book of Mark. Mark chapter 9. We have a little bit of a lengthy passage this morning. Sometimes it's short, a couple of verses. Sometimes it's a little bit longer, more verses. But Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 this morning. We read in the word of God, and when he came to his disciples and he saw a great multitude about them, the scribes questioning with them, and straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. He asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And when the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whosoever he taketh him, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to the disciples, they, could, they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the, on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he said, he asked his father, how long... Is it a go since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it, it, it hath cast him into the fire, into the water, to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and saith with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw the people, came running together and rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more un into, un into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead insomuch that many said, He's dead. Verse 27, Then Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto him, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Gracious Father, we thank you once again for this morning. Thank you for those who've assembled this morning. You know each one. You know the end from the beginning. You know their past. You know their pain. You know their problems. You know their prosperity. You know their prospects. God, you know everything about them. I pray, God, today you'd help us. May we put away things that are in our mind for this afternoon and focus solely on your word. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It has a purpose for what it is preached. It will accomplish what, is, what needs to be done in our lives. So I pray, Father, through your word and through your spirit, you speak to us. Draw that person who maybe is away from you to yourself. Some for the first time, say maybe a person who knows you back from maybe a many time. I pray for one maybe who's struggling physically, financially, with friends or family. God, that you speak, that your Holy Spirit would apply the bomb of Gilead that only can be applied through the Word of God. Do what I cannot do. Take away any distractions, Lord, that would hinder this message. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The average church attender were surveyed and asked, do you have faith? Do you have faith? 
Most church members would say, well, sure, I have faith. <laughs> sure, I have faith. The Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a warder of them to diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is requirement to salvation. But not only faith is a requirement for salvation, faith is a requirement for, for life, for service in life. The Bible says in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 18, Yea, if a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So you say, a preacher, is a person saved by works? No, a person is not saved by works, they're saved by faith. But once a person places their faith in Jesus Christ because of the appreciation for what Jesus Christ has done for them, that he came, was buried, died, was buried, rose again from the grave, because of what Christ has done, he'll want to work for Christ. He'll want to serve Jesus. Anybody who's serious about Jesus will want to please him, and they'll be saying, what can I do for Jesus Christ? I've known ladies who got up into their widowhood, and I say ladies because most of the men are dead by then. They say, preacher, what can I do? I say, I'll tell you what you can do. You can pray for me and for the church. That's a great work. You say, I can't do much. Prayer's much. If you'll, if you'll take that directory, that church directory would, and you pray through every member in that directory, and folks have come since those pictures, you've done much. You've done much. Because if we've, if we've missed anything in, in our society, it's we've forgotten or we don't tr choose to pray for one another. So James was not contradicting the doctrine of salvation by faith alone in Christ. He was simply pointing out in no uncertain terms that proof of faith can be seen in the lives of those who believe. What we see in this situation here, we had, we, weren't, we had not been back in the book of James for a few weeks. We took a week off because of Easter. We took a week off last week because I wanted to give you memoirs from my motorcycle trip. But if you remember the last time we were here, we were at the basically the climax of the book of Mark. Jesus has basically told his disciples who he is. Actually, he asked the disciples, who, who do men say that I am? And they gave all kinds of names, Jeremiah, Eliza, Elijah. But Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the ultimate. That's what the world needs to know, that Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the son of God. That's what the world, that's the, that's, that's the truth. But then Jesus went on to say, I'm going to, that, that's the great news, but the, the news you don't want to hear is I have to die. I, I, I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to rise again the third day. And Peter didn't like those words. In fact, the Bible says in the, in the previous chapter, chapter 8, that, that Peter rebuked Jesus. Because Peter wanted things his way. You ever want things your way? You ever want things your way, but God wants it his way? And when you, your will meets God's will, guess who wins? God's will always wins. God's will always wins. You might have to hit that wall about a thousand times. But trust me, you can't outbox God. Your arms are too short. Peter says, he rebukes him. And what does Jesus say? Well, that's, a good, that's, a, that's very good of you. Uh, that's very good of you, uh, Peter, for giving me your opinion. Everybody thinks the, of the kind and lovely Jesus, and he is. But sometimes he rebukes us, and we need it. Did you need a spanking when you were a kid? Somebody say amen. Man, I, every hand should have went up here, and, and DJ should have put both up. Not only kid, the one I love now. 
We all needed it. What did, what did Jesus say to Peter? Oh, that was just very good. No, he said, get behind me, Satan. And when somebody calls you Satan, you really got nowhere else to go. It's kind of like the, that's, the, that's the ultimate trump card. You can't go any further than the devil. Okay? So he calls him, he calls him the devil. Why? Because that's exactly what the devil wanted him, Jesus, to do. Remember the temptations? The devil wanted Jesus to live for this kingdom. This kingdom. He wanted them to heal everybody. That was good. He wanted them to take the, to destroy the Romans. Oh, that'd be good. He wanted to put him on the throne and, and, and be, the, be the king of Israel. But that was not the Father's will. What was the Father's will? The Father's will for the Son that he be smitten, stricken, and afflicted. Why? For my sins. That was the Father's will, that his Son would die for the sins of the whole world. That was the Father's will. So that happens, and they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration, if you remember. And Jesus takes with them Peter, James, and John, and they get to see Moses and Elijah. And again, Peter speaks out of term. It's just who Peter is. He tries to set up a couple tabernacle, a couple places of worship, not just for, not just for Jesus, but for, Mo, but for Moses and Elijah. And, of course, God comes and says, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Jesus' voice is the most important voice, most important voice in the universe. Listen to Jesus. More important than Moses, more important than Elijah. Now they're coming down from the mount. They're in upper Israel. Coming down, I believe, from Mount Hermon. They're coming down from the mount. And as soon as they get down to the mountain, we see this scene. We see this different scene, verses 14 through 16. The different scene. First of all, the scene at the arrival, it says there, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning them. You ever walk into a conversation, you hear two people, you see two people talking, you're walking up, and all of a sudden things get quiet. That happens to me about every church service. It's kind of awkward feeling. So I just go ahead and say it. You can quit talking about the preacher now. It's okay. It's okay. So I know y'all talking good things. I know it's praise. You would never talk bad about Pastor Moon. Never, 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 never. I'm being a little facetious. But here he is, Jesus coming down. And this, the other disciples, because Peter, Peter, I was going to say Peter, Paul, and Mary, but Peter, James, and John. That's a Freudian slip. Peter, <laughs> Peter, James, and John, you know what music I used to live and listen to now. You, that's why I'm thank God Jesus saved me. So the G, Peter, James, and John, I'm going to get caught up on that every time if I don't quit. Peter, James, and John comes down from the mountain with Jesus, and he's talking, and the disciples and the scribes are arguing with one another. They're, they're having this little Q&A session, and we really don't know what's going on. We see, first of all, the crowd is amazed. The amazement can be caused by the, the timeliness of, of Christ coming. He, he's coming down from the mountain. There's a crowd that's gathered. I'm sure they heard about Jesus. Remember, Jesus had healed the sick. He cast out demons. He'd done many wondrous works. Wherever Jesus was, now this is two, over two years into his ministry, wherever Jesus went, a crowd followed because they wanted to be healed. They wanted to be taught. They wanted to get food. Remember, he'd already fed 4,000. He'd fed 5,000. They wanted things from Jesus. And that's what America, where America is, is today. People want to get things from Jesus. They don't really want Jesus. That's American Christianity 101. People want a lot from Jesus. They really, just don't, they really don't want to live for Jesus. 
People want stuff. I want, oh man, I want the blessing. But they don't want to be with the blesser. They don't want to be with the blesser because to be with the blesser takes sacrifice. Who wants to sacrifice when you can have Starbucks for five bucks? No, they were hearing this and they were amazed that Jesus was there. We see this amazement. Not only that, the, admir the admiration. It says, in the, he saluted them. This was cordial welcome. The scribes had not su succeeded in turning the people away from Christ yet. The scribes, against, of course, were the enemies of Jesus. They taught a uh, salvation by works alone religion. And most of the world outside of Christianity teaches a works alone, alone or works alone uh, salvation. You go to the average church, even on this road, you walk in the door and you ask the, you ask the preacher or the, the person who's charged, whoever's in charge, how do you get to heaven? Most of them will say, well, I, I'm not sure exactly, but you just do good works and believe in God and somehow, some way you'll get there. Dear friend, we don't have a hope-so salvation. We have a no-so salvation. We're not up here just bumping our gums because we're taking up time. Meet people and have a good time. We're up here telling about Jesus Christ, who's the only way, the only truth, the only life. There's salvation only through him. So they were amazed. And even those scribes were, were talking to the disciples. We don't know all that was talking about. We have to wonder if the disciples, as we know, had tried already to heal this person that we see in verse 17. It says, he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? There's a solicitation. What's going on here? And as they answered to the solicitation, where the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. <laughs> oh, Jesus was with the disciples in the mountaintop, but now they're going down to the valley. We love it in the mountaintop, don't we? We love it up there. The air is fine up there. It's a little cooler, especially on a, especially on a warm day up there in the mountains. It's nice there in the mountains. Mountains, you can see far off. Mountains, you feel closer to God. you closer to nature. <laughs> mountains, you get away from the troubles and problems of the world. But, dear friend, you can't stay up there in the mountains. You've got to get down there in the valley. But let me tell you, dear friend, the same God that's in the mountains is the same God that's in the valley. Because he made the mountains and the valleys. He's in control of it all. They're coming down to the mountains, and immediately they meet the crowd and they meet some troubles and they meet some difficulties. And that's where life is at, right? The trouble, the problem, the difficulty, the pain, the problem, the persecution sometimes. That's where life is really at. Oh, it's, it's, it's nice to have an Easter sunrise service or an Easter service where we talk about Jesus and we used to have fellowships, barbecue fellowships and, and, and other things that we do. Those things are wonderful and great. But dear friends, sometimes it's just the one-on-one -on -one come to church. I can encourage you. You can encourage me. Sometimes it's just you alone as a believer in Christ getting another, alone with another believer in Christ and say, would you pray for me? I'm struggling here with this temptation. I'm struggling here with this problem. I'm struggling with this, this difficulty. Christianity is more than just it's more than just this building. It's more than just these chairs. It's more than just the piano and the and the organ in the pulpit is lives, it's people, it's needs. And what do people have the greatest need for? They need the Lord. They need the Lord. You say, I need more money to pay for all the gas bills. No, you need Jesus. <laughs> I need I need more, I need more, I need more things. No, 
Things will only help you for a certain, a, certain, a certain amount of time. After a while, those things go. You can only take so many trips to Goodwill. Ultimately, folks, we all need Christ. We need Christ. So we see here the situation. These followers of Christ are, are sometimes in a situation where they find themselves fair-weathered. You find yourself fair-weathered. Sometimes you're seeking God. Sometimes you don't. Jesus said to his disciples in the book of John, if you really, if you really want to have a part of me, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, you think about that right, up, right off the bat. You think, well, what in the world is he talking about? But Jesus wasn't literally talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He was saying, be a part of me. Be a part of me. Follow me. Be a part of this cause. And the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 60, after that saying, many of the disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? In verse 66, from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. But just as sure as the trials we face, it, we face are difficult and hard and, and cause us to struggle, come, cause us sometimes to doubt, we can sing with all confidence, there's victory in Jesus. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, it is the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, dear friend, we live in a world that is faithless and fickle. You don't know which end is up sometimes. But I can promise you by the authority of the Word of God that God is always faithful. No matter what situation, no matter what difficulty, no matter what problem you have in your life today, God is always faithful. So we see the different scene. But secondly, this morning we see the doubting servant, verses 17 through 27. You see the cause for the appeal. He, he says, he spake to the disciples, this man, this servant, this father, spake to the disciples so they could, they could cast him out, and they could not. We see the deficiency of the disciples. They could not. They couldn't do it. <laughs> the disciples, <laughs> they'd seen Jesus do it. They'd heard him do it, but they couldn't do it themselves. You ever tried that? Remember as a kid, you'd see, you'd see your dad do something, work on a car? or use a drill, and you tried it yourself, and it, you tried it, and you thought you did the same thing that he did, or she did, ladies, with washing the dishes or, 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 or vacuuming, you know, that thing goes boom, boom, you know. You tried the same thing, and somehow or another, it just didn't work out the same. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the disciples and how they tried to heal this man. I don't know if they tried to do abracadabra. I don't know if they went around and tried to say, you know, seven words at same, same time. I don't know what tried to tricks. I don't know what tried to motivation. I don't know what they did, but it failed. It failed. They could not. And sadly, it was his disciples. It wasn't somebody else's disciples. It was Christ's disciples. They'd seen Jesus. They'd been with Jesus for over two years, and they couldn't do it. You see, they caused the appeal with the compassion. Is if thou can do anything, this, this father says, have compassion on us and help us. Isn't that the cry of the world right now? Have compassion on us and help us. Help us. And that's exactly what God did. God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Got a text last night about 10 o'clock. My wife and I are watching a little TV. A friend, family friend, my sister and I, has for many years texted me, he said, would you, would you pray? I said, what about? I saw something on Facebook. What was it sure about? It's my sister. 
My sister was in a, in a, in a head-on accident. She lives in this town, which I knew the town. She was in a head-on accident. She's in a hospital. She's already had two major surgeries. They've taken part of her leg already. Would you pray? Would you pray? I said, I'll pray, and I'll have the whole church pray. I got a text this morning from Samuel. Samuel, you remember Samuel? You haven't forgotten Samuel already, right? <laughs> we just had cake with him on Wednesday. Samuel, I said, Samuel, glad you made it back to West Virginia. You made it back, right? Yes, but my mom, something fell, a cart fell on my mom, and she's in the hospital, and she's getting MRI. And, and my brother-in-law, Tony, texted me this morning and said, Josh is getting ready to go. He's going to have an MRI. It's going to be the next couple of hours of MRI. Pray for him. You know what all those things made me think of? Everywhere you go, there's problems. Sure as, sure as sparks fly upward, there's problems. There's problems everywhere. But though there's problems everywhere, we have a God that can meet all the needs according to his perfect will. I'm so glad the Bible says God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For our greatest need is not physical. Our greatest need is not emotional. Our greatest need is spiritual. Because we're lost. We're lost in sin. The only hope for humanity is not, no, is not more rules. It's not more regulations. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. My dear friend, has there been a time in your life where you were born again? Where you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? This, young, this man who had a son that had a, a demon, a, a, an evil spirit in him, he needed compassion. And Christ, the, the greatest compassionate, compassionate person who ever walked the world, the world saw his need and met him there. And that's exactly what Jesus would do for you. He sees your need here this morning. Nobody might know your need. Nobody might know your, your, your internal struggle, your problems, the difficulty, the pain, the temptation. No one may know because you're afraid to tell anybody, especially nowadays because you tell somebody, everybody in the whole world knows. You're afraid to just get out and everybody will say something about you. Well, Baptists would never do that. Never, never. No, friend, you can take it to that person who's closer than a brother. Jesus Christ. We see the compassion of the, of the appeal and the capability of the appeal. If thou canst do anything, he said, help us. <laughs> I love this phrase because it shows his, his reality. He's not sure. He's heard the stories. He's heard, he's, maybe even he knows somebody who's been healed, but now it's him. See, it's one thing when people say, let's pray for that situation when it's somebody else, but, it was, but if it's your child, uh, when, it's, when it's your mother, when it's your sister, when it's your brother, when it's your wife, when it's them, then it becomes personal. See, he heard everything, but now he has to see God for himself. And dear friend, you have to see God for yourself. Kids, you cannot live on your parents' Christianity. You must experience Jesus Christ for yourself. Because if you live through your parents' Christianity, that's good for a little while, but it'll only get you so far. It gets you to a place where you can know him. But you must not more than just know him. You must live for him and trust him all the way home. So we see this correction. It's, he says, if thou canst do anything, help us. And Jesus says in verse 23, 
Same, I love this word, if thou canst believe. <laughs> he says to Jesus, if thou can do anything, I'm not sure if you can do it, Jesus. I've heard about all these things. I've, I've probably seen some of the stuff, but I'm not sure. And Jesus returns it with the same words, if thou canst believe. You see, folks, it's not only about what Christ can do. Oh, Christ can do anything. But do you believe he can? See, faith is not just faith in faith. That's one thing. It's faith. What's important is faith with the object of the faith. What is the object of the faith? The object of the, in the faith is not just what they've been taught in the past. Not just the religious rules. Not about what the scribes had said. It's about the person. And that's this, 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 this father needed to believe that Jesus actually could heal his son. And that's what Jesus asked us to do, to personally believe that he can do anything. Do you believe that Jesus can do anything? Do you have faith that he can do anything? You can't. We see the condition of appeal. For thou canst, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. That's the proclamation. If, you can, if thou canst believe, if you can truly believe, anything is possible. And these are the exact words I texted my friend Kelly this morning. If thou canst believe, about your sister, who you cannot see right now. The hospital will not let her see her own sister. Sad to say. If you can believe that God can do anything, God can do anything. He will. But do you believe it? In the confession of the appeal, straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Do you identify with that this morning? Sometimes you believe, you want to believe, you desire to believe, you hunger to believe, you thirst to believe, but you need help in believing. You need help to believe it. You need faith. There was faith in that confession. There was fervency in that confession, but there was failure in that confession. Help thou my unbelief. It reminds me of Thomas after the resurrection. Remember, Thomas wasn't there. And the Bible says in John chapter 20, verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them. When Jesus came, the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands, the prints of the nails, and put my fingers into the prints of the nails, and thrust my hands into his side, I will not believe. Then saith he to Thomas, Jesus, Rich, rich hither thy finger, behold my hands, rich with hither thy hand, and trust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. How did Thomas respond? My Lord and my God. Oh, may God take away your doubt. May God take away your fears. May you simply trust, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You say, I see a lot of times we want to say, well, I want to see it before I will believe it. No friend with Christ, unless you believe it, you'll never see it. Unless you believe in Jesus Christ, place your faith and trust in Him alone, you will never get to see the pearly gates, the streets of gold. You'll never get to see it. Oh, you'll hear about it. People will talk about it. I was witnessing this young lady just recently. He said, well, Jesus is a liar. He can't prove himself. I want to see it. I want to know it. I said, no, you're not going to get to know it until you believe it. You have to believe it. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. But that call is a call of faith. And God will give you the faith. So we see the difference seeing the doubting servant. And finally, as we close this morning, a dynamic statement. 
We see the secrecy in the acts asking. It says in verse 28, his disciples asked him privately. They got him, Jesus, alone. They didn't want to do it in the crowd. Remember, the disciples had failed. And they took Jesus to the side and say, okay, tell us, tell us, Jesus, how we messed up. <laughs> we made a mistake. We know we made a mistake. We need to figure it out. You see, the schooling for the asking, he said, Jesus said, this kind come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. We see the supplication of schooling by prayer. You see, folks, if you want life to change, you know how it all is going to start? By talking to God. It all starts by talking to God. It all starts with getting on your knees or closing your eyes or bowing your head. I remember a, a friend, a good friend of mine, he grew up in a church. His, his dad was a pastor, got successful in life, kind of left the, the ways of the church, started doing things his own way. And that was okay for a little while. Then he started to have family, and when family became problems and difficulties and struggles and all kinds of issues. I remember he told me one time, I got to the place where I was so miserable, I just had to get down beside my bed and beg God to help me. His money couldn't help him. His education couldn't help him. His people he knew couldn't help him. His family couldn't help him. The only person that could help him was a person he learned about as a youth. God! He cried out to God and God helped him. It's by prayer. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me ask you the question. Which time, when's the last time you actually prayed to God? I didn't say this kind of lay me down to sleep type of prayer. I didn't say the meal you're going to pray before you go down to Sundays to get barbecue. I said, I said times when you get down maybe on your hands and knees and you're serious and you talk to God. When's the last time you do it? You see, what happens oftentimes in life is we know we should pray, but it takes a tragedy in life to get us to pray. You might want to practice a little bit before the tragedy comes. Because, dear friend, as sure as you're sitting there, a tragedy is going to happen in your life. You're going to get a text message. You're going to get a, you're going to get a phone call. You're going to get the bad news. It happens because we live in a world of sin. At that time, it's not saying, it's not the time to practice prayer 101. No, you want to get a hold of God. And how do you know you get a hold of God? Because you've already got a hold of Him before. And you've already told Him, Lord, whatever you're going to do with my life, whatever problems, whatever situations, whatever struggle, I trust you and I believe you're good because you need to say that before the struggle because when you're in the struggle, it's going to be more difficult. Because the devil is going to come to you and say the devil is a liar. If he really loved you, he wouldn't cause your husband to leave you. He wouldn't cause your problems to have that. He wouldn't cause your, have your son to have cancer. He wouldn't cause your nephew to go through the struggle. If he really cared, if God was really good, you wouldn't be sick right now. That's a liar. And you need to recognize his voice and say, hey, I know what you're saying to me. And I know the problems you're trying to tell me. You know, you're, you're telling me about my problems, but I'm telling you about your future. You're going to be, you're going to roast in, in, a, in a place called the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. He tells you about your problem. He lies to you. You tell him about the truth, what's going to happen to him in his future. And then you get a hold of God and say, God, I do believe in you. I said it right there. I struggle right here, but I surrender right here. And just like I heard, and when I was in, when I was in Sunday school class about David, about David and the giant, who with faith, not with all the best toys and trinkets, 
He took that, that smooth stone, took those five smooth stones with that sling. He went out there and he slung that stone and he hit that giant right in the forehead. And he fell down. He needed that type of faith. Dear friends, you're going to need the faith of a Daniel who's in the lion den, lion's den. When the lions are hungry and they're roaring, they're, they're all around you, think your world's destroyed. But you, you pray three times a day no matter what the government tells you to do. You trust God because it's right. You don't put your, stick your finger in the air and go how things feel. You trust God and do what's right. And Daniel was thrown in lions then, and God saved him. He stopped the mouths of the lions. So you're going to need, in a time of trouble, the faith of Daniel, the trust of David. You're going to need that. The schooling is by prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but second, the sacrifice, the fasting. <laughs> now, I'm in a Baptist church and talking about fasting. That's not too popular. What's fasting? It's doing without. You ever done without? You ever said, I'm not going to eat today or tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day because my neighbor needs to be saved. I'm, I'm fasting. Now, we don't do it to show the world we're spiritual. We're, we do it in secret to get the ear of God. You don't go out to the whole world, I fasted 25 days. No, you get in your prayer closet and you choose to say no to that bologna sandwich. Maybe it's best to say no to the bologna sandwich. Because you have something bigger, more important than getting fed. You need to speak to God. You do without. In some of your marriages in front of me, you need to pray and fast that God heals your marriage. Some of you have children that's going wayward. You need to, you need to stop. Stop struggling and start praying and start fasting. Because Jesus said, this kind, this person, this kid who's been controlled by the devil, who's destroying his life, this kind cometh out but by two things, prayer and fasting. You want to be serious with God? Show him you're serious. Because when you go without food, you're showing you're serious. One day, two days, three days, four days. You say, you, you, you really, really want your mom and dad to get saved? Are you serious enough to fast for them? Five days? Esther, before she went before the, before the king, she fasted and prayed because it was important. We don't talk about fasting much in a Baptist church. It's almost like blasphemy. But dear friend, you want to get the ear of God? Pray and fast. Got a wife that's sick? Got a son or daughter that's rebellious? Got trouble in your home? You want to get the ear of God? Pray and fast. That gets the ear of God. Oh, dear friend, we need faith. Faith and believe that though we can't understand the circumstances, we can trust Him. Oh, we, we don't understand oftentimes God's hand, but you, friend, and I can trust His heart. I heard a story about this, this missionary and his wife were getting ready to go to Africa, missionaries. When they got over there, the, well, the, the, the wife had some health complications. They had to come back to the States. Missionary didn't know why. He believed God called him to Africa. He wanted to preach, tell folks about Jesus over there. He believed it's God's will. His wife got sick, had to come back home. Started working for his dad. His dad was a dentist. He became a dentist like his dad. Started working in the dentistry. Church where he was at, they was having communion. 
they were taking grape juice. He decided, you know what, I'm going to try to pasteurize grape juice. So it's easy for folks to have communion. And began to do it just for his church. And went, well, he, and other churches heard about it. They said, man, we want some of that pasteurized grape juice. And they, be, they, began, they began to get, get it. And then the community heard about the pasteurized grape juice. And then they wanted it. Then the city, then the county, then the, then the, then the state, then the nation, then the world. And the money that he was able to get from selling his grape juice, he was able to give towards missions so that missionaries could go from this place to those places around the world so that they could be saved. See, folks, it doesn't always happen the way we think it's going to happen. God has a better way. Charles Welch had faith, but more than that, he had fruit. He had fruit, real fruit. Where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? He said, preacher, I prayed. Have you really prayed? Is it like one of those one-minute prayers, two-minute prayers? When's the last time you fasted? What time, what's the last time you got serious with God? When's the last time you said, I'm going to give up something for a day or two days, three days, four days, five days, a week, a month? I really want this. You, want, you say, I have faith. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? Do you believe? If you trust God, He will only give you more faith. He will give you fruit from your prayers and your faith. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your graciousness to us. Thank you that you meet us where we're at. You see our needs and you love us. You help us even in our struggle, in our problems, in our pain. Thank you, God, for this biblical account of this man who had a difficulty, had a son of an unclean spirit. Thank you that you saved that man and his situation and his son. And you taught the disciples a valuable lesson they would take and use, not only before the cross, but after the cross. And because of their faith, we have the faith today. We pray, Lord, today for each one in this room that you'd help us to know you and trust you. Because without you, we are nothing. Head bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you say in this room, preacher, I'm religious. I know about God. Maybe you've gone to Sunday school your whole life. Maybe you're part of a church. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've been confirmed. Maybe you've taken communion. But let me ask you a question. If you, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven?